Today on Off Tackle Empire, you're not going to want to miss any of this Big Ten football update as we try to remember what the hell happened in the conference title game and how we felt about it at the time, especially. And who's in the transfer portal? Uh, apparently, we just remembered that Graham Mertz is among them. The better question is, who isn't in the transfer portal? Are you in the transfer portal? I'll meet you there. Today on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. The last remaining feature I can still find time to do on Off Tackle Empire, the SB Nation Big Ten blog that continues to just kind of put out stuff. Are you telling me that you still do stuff for this blog other than this podcast? Because I haven't regularly written things in years. I mean, we have like 30 writers. So for one thing, even if I wanted to do something regular during the season, it'd get like 20 minutes of time at the top of that masthead before something else would push it down. Oh, I, Thumpasaurus, Illini correspondent, had two regular features coming in. One of them only ended up happening twice, and then another one I dropped uh, as soon as I picked up another job. Infographics is incredible. Let's get that straight. Yeah, but it has to be entries that I had this year. It has to be incredibly time-consuming, and if the inspiration isn't there, I don't know how you fake it, because... It, like, some of the shit you've come up with is just, um... But anyway. In any case, that's Andrew Shusky. He's yeah. from Michigan State. Correspondent, and, of course, neither of us had a particular dog. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah. Both of our trophy rivals played for the Big Ten title game. Played for the Big Ten title game. No, they played in the Big Ten title game. My team played for the Big Ten title game and lost. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan 43 Purdue 22. Let's get the first and stalest of these news items out of the way as I pour myself a win fight try Brewster of the Week. Yeah, Flying Monkeys, the Chocolate Manifesto. This is going to be, I can see how dense this outline is. <laughs> it is very, very dark because there is just an awful lot of text to get through. Much like Twitter's apparently uh, forthcoming 4,000 character limit, the dude literally just wants to make it Zanga again. <laughs> Oh my god, that's Anyway, a, no. A 4,000 character Twitter limit... A character Twitter limit is going to immediately create a demand for Twitter circa 2014. But I digress. That's the length of posts that we have here to outline, but we gotta start at the beginning. We had a long time to put this together because I was sick for a lot. Like, the last time we recorded, you could definitely hear on the soundtrack, like, my voice just stops at a couple points... Uh, because I, I had at that point like been mainlining cough drops, like I, I think I had like a hundred of them that day. <laughs> I mean, I'm still popping a lot of them, but I'm basically back to my seasonal baseline, which is just kind of sick all the time instead of like I mean, I should go to the ER kind of thing. So anyway, that was part of the delay. So wait, kind of sick is your seasonal baseline? No, I feel like crap all the time this time of year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, wait until you have. An elementary school-aged kid. Apparently it gets substantially worse. I know, I know. I <laughs> Yes, I know. And that's the other part of it is I have now got this sleep schedule where it's it's 
kind of normal during the week, just crappier, but like the hours are the same. But then on the weekends, to try to give my wife some respite, I stay up with the kid and make sure that she doesn't make any noise, she isn't fed. So my wife goes to sleep at like 10 or 11 o'clock and then I stay up until basically my marching orders are until she is exhausted two bottles and then the next time after that that she is demanding food that's when I bring her upstairs and wake Chris up and that this so this last weekend on Friday night that meant um 4 15 in the morning and then Saturday night it meant um five o'clock almost on the dot in the morning and I just like I can't really sleep in that late like I it, even so Weekends are very different. It's it, again that normally would be when I would have done the outlining for this. Also, would have been like over the weekend, but since on the last two weekends I've been sleeping in until like almost noon, which I have not done since I was in college. Otherwise, uh, it's been a strange experience. So, well, I'm on this new sleep schedule where sometimes I just wake up in the middle of the night full of energy and optimism because today is the day that we play Purdue and we're going to take the Big Ten West by storm and then I check my phone and see the date and I go, fuck! <laughs> I woke up past that day again! God damn it! <clears throat> In any case, <laughs> so Michigan 43, Purdue 22, this was looking like a contest. At it, was, it was very, it was competitive for a long period, even with, and I submit that it was more competitive than a three-score game, uh, a one-point halftime lead turned into a little bit of a pull-away late for Michigan. I mean, really, the second half did not start in a way that gave you any confidence Purdue would win. So it starts Michigan with long and relatively quick touchdown drive, three and out for Purdue, another touchdown drive for Michigan, interception for Purdue. So when you have a sequence like that, like that's basically what happened in last year's conference championship game. Immediately when the game started to Iowa, they were just buried in a hole like that. The difference is that Purdue's offense has enough juicy though. Maybe they can get off the mat here. Um, and sure enough, on the, that possession off of the pick, Purdue's defense forced to punt. The problem was, and we've seen this intermittently, but pretty often throughout the entire Jeff Brom tenure at Purdue, which is they have this offense that rampages between the 20s when the defense has to cover the entire field, and they run all these four and five receiver sets. Aiden O'Connell does his thing, very accurate in this game. Um, plenty of intermediate and even some deeper passes. But then when they get in the red zone, they have problems because they are not able to consistently run the ball. And the run, the rushing totals were not terrible in this game, but... Again, conversion in the red zone. The real story of this game, well, there's two things, basically. First, again, Michigan's running game once again, grinding an opponent down until they start cracking bigger plays. And then on the other side of the ball, for Purdue, you have an offense that attempted five field goals while Michigan attempted zero. And one of those, I believe Michigan was up by like 12 points when Purdue kicked it. And it's like late enough in the game that I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you have to score touchdowns. You, you're you not going to even keep up, let alone close the gap if I you're mean, kicking field goals. What a swan song for Mr. I will never run the ball, <laughs> even with a one-score lead late, desperately needing to run the clock out. I will always throw deep. I can't believe he was doing that. Mad I mean, you got to know that you're... Like, 
You know how loath I am to talk about things in terms of historical class, but you're Purdue in this case, right? Michigan is the prohibitive favorite. You got to do more than just try to hang around, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that again. So it is. That there's... was the one thing that I really. And I admit, I tuned into this game when it was 10 to 7 Purdue and kind of realized that this was the happiest I was going to be. <laughs> so I just played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater after that. Very understandable. I I didn't watch this thing wire to wire. I, did, I caught large pieces of it. I assume I was fiddling around with the baby. Um, but missing chunks of it here and there. I think I was nonetheless able to pull this thing together from the box score. So anyway, Michigan with their first back-to-back conference title since 2003-2004. And of course, we remember what happened then is they had not only those two teams, but then a couple years later, another national title contender team. And then after that, they wandered in the desert for 15 fucking years. Let's go. That's the result we're looking for here. <laughs> Cannot wait because we'll get again like two more years. Harbaugh's going to get stale. He's either going to retire or be kind of forced out, or maybe the NFL will finally take his weird ass back. And then they're going to make two disastrous hires back to back. And they're going to spend the rest of time, their fan base telling you those games don't count. So wait a second. The question is, what's the emerging power that Harbaugh will lose to at home in the FCS in his last season? It has to be an FCS team that's about to make the jump. Weaver that was State. a while after that for App State. Weaver State feels fun. Um, like, well, as long as they've got those uh, long snapping problems fixed. Yes. I the think... ones that led to them... <laughs> Yeah. Getting uh, to them giving up four safeties in a game that they lost by seven. <laughs> I I think if it were either of the Dakota any of the Dakotas or the Montanas, people generally understand that those are yeah, pretty it's good too teams. Obvious, too yeah. obvious. So no, it would have to be well so and here the thing is Michigan generally avoids that particular banana peel by not scheduling any FCS teams. They just reliably schedule the worst FBS teams. So the answer actually is UConn after they go down to FCS in a couple years. Even after Jim Mora wins like eight and nine games, they still go down to FCS. And he'll like win two national titles at that level. It's going to be hilarious. I can't wait. Anyway, congratulations to them. You're going to get your ass kicked by Georgia in the, in the, the uh, title game this year instead of the semifinal. So that's a step in the right direction, I guess. The Purdue side of this, though, is that, of course, in the aftermath of you could call it a breakthrough season, I think. Yeah, winning eight games in the regular season, winning the division. Um, Jeff Brom, however, leaving the program to return to alma mater Louisville um, after they had their coach. So really, a series of events set in place by Wisconsin firing Paul Christ because then they hire Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, in the weirdest decision I remember them making since Tupperville. Steal Scott Satterfield from Louisville, who... Who really wanted Scott Satterfield to not be their coach anymore. Yes, and, and he also what, wanted to not be their coach I anymore. I'm wondering what Louisville gets in return for this, because it seems like Cincinnati just did them a big favor. The Cincinnati fans that, are not, that I've seen are not particularly excited about this. No, I don't, I've not seen or interacted with anyone who thinks this is anywhere near as good. I mean... It, it, it really, like... Who is the player to be named later? How many draft picks did they get? It's going to be like Malik Cunningham, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would that make, Honest to God. That, that would probably level out a goofy coach. Yeah, that player. is true. That is true. Malik Cunningham would be a pretty good <laughs> consolation prize. I don't know if he has eligibility left or what. But anyway, um, so yeah, Brom leaves for Alma Mater. The, the rumor was that he strongly considered it the last time around before they hired Satterfield. 
but that he basically just didn't want to leave Purdue that soon after taking the job, you, which I honestly respect. Oh, of course. And as a Purdue fan, you got to be like, ah, oh, damn it. So I guess it's just like he really was just a good guy. Ah, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but still. You can't be too unhappy with him. No, no. Right? Remember, remember again what the Hazel era was. Um, just think back on that. They won fewer games. Jeff Brom had a worse record than P.J. Fleck in the same amount of time. But who had more fun watching their team play the games? And who had a better foundation to build upon? Like Minnesota fans have engaged in a lot of revisionism about what a disaster Tracy Clays and Jerry Kill had left behind. Now, there were plenty of NFL-caliber players on that roster. Like, he left them Rodney Smith. He left them, um, oh, what's his name, Mitch Leidner. Like, not, like, superstar players, but guys you could at least play in the Big Ten. There were not a whole lot of those players on Purdue's roster when Brom took over, and most of them were seniors. So there was a blowout in the roster after his first year there. But anyway... Purdue won six games in the four years before Jeff Brom got there. And he managed to give, again, a couple of rough years in there. Like, 2019, they had an injury apocalypse. Everybody got hurt on defense. All the quarterbacks got hurt. 2020 2020 was weird. 2020, they hired Bob Diaco. And, yeah, 2020 was was definitely the worst season to be really good. Because if you were really good, who cared? Nobody went to the games. Nobody cared. Nobody could enjoy it. I mean, (coughs) alas, poor Indiana. My God. I mean, <laughs> the, talk, the, the, yeah. worst, the worst time to ever have a breakthrough season. The absolute Milton Wadhams of football programs just getting put in storage B <laughs> with their good season. So, in over the course of his tenure, again, uh, finally got the division title. So, they at least got the trip to Indianapolis. They can cross their list off the list of programs that have not been. Um, in the bowl games he coached, they went 2-1. and one. One terrible blowout loss to Auburn, but also a wildly entertaining win over Tennessee in the Music City last year, and I forget the other bowl game. Um, and he also sets them up with their highest profile bowl game since the Drew Brees Rose Bowl. They're going to go and play LSU in the Citrus Bowl. Um, and again, he, as you mentioned, also did all of this, again, pretty darn good tenure at a program that was in a terrible position, hugely upgraded their roster. Um and did that while playing stubbornly fun football in a division where, by this season, five out of seven teams are deliberately trying to play the most boring 9-6 games every single week. It sucks. It's terrible to watch. We need two or three more coaches like Jeff Brom in the West immediately. And he did this with a team that, per all advanced stats profiles, uh, was substantially worse than the teams that they went out and beat. Yeah, that consi- oh, that's the other thing. I mean... You can also add the upsets of numerous teams that were highly ranked. I mean, construction... They should have beaten Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Should Again, this should have been a nine-win season with the possibility for a ten. ten. Syracuse. Right. I mean, that was that was a different thing. Like, that wasn't as much of a you-gave-this-one-away thing as, like, a, this team you just shouldn't have lost to. But anyway. So, that's the story of a six-year tenure. There has not been an... A, official replacement named yet as we're sitting here today the word on the street is Tyson Helton from Western Kentucky is probably going to be the guy when I you know when the story first came down and I outlined I was spit by I'm like all right well Jim Leonard obviously makes sense you could look at John Summerall from Troy um I would have liked to see them go in the FCS direction but the other thing is a lot of these group of five 
coaches that end up coming up were not too far in the past in the FCS themselves. So, if well, you, wasn't Tyson Helton? Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he part of the? Was he part of the Jeff Brown coaching tree? Um, yeah, because he runs the air raid at Western Kentucky. He does, um, and of course, Coach Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has long run the air raid, um, with the exception of like that one two year period, and they were like Sanford. Yeah, yeah. and they, and they were terrible when they tried to do anything else. So, yes, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach under. Jeff Brown at Western Kentucky, 2014-2015. So, so that's go. a very, very reasonable replacement. That's, you know, argue, like, that was Jeff Brown's true successor at Western Kentucky if you ignore that Mike Sanford experiment. Yeah, so a guy who you can reasonably say will come in, at least on the offensive side of the ball, be able to look at the players and say, look, y'all had fun playing that style, right? Because I'm going to do the same shit. So... There's always a risk when a coach leaves that some of the players are going to want to transfer and follow him, and that will probably happen. But if you have a guy, I mean, again, you like what's going on on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, maybe you need to upgrade your run game a little better. That's probably not going to happen so much under Helen, given what Western Kentucky does. Uh, but if you want to keep that rolling, he makes a lot of sense. Hey, you know who's in the transfer portal? Austin Reed, Western Kentucky quarterback. There you have it. Um, Stat machine. And dual threat too, a very yeah, different, yeah, yeah, very yeah. different player than than Zappy or Aiden O'Connell is what I was gonna say. Right of the other statuesque air raid guys that Brom has been playing. So you have a guy who also has got wheels. And look, if you're having trouble running the game, running the ball between the tackles, well, why not have a quarterback who can scramble if the defense doesn't pay attention to him? So anyway, nothing official yet. That looks like it's going to be the hire. Would make a lot of sense. Um, Another there, guy. Are also, there are also rumors about Ryan Walters being in the conversation. Now, look, my obvious interest aside in that, uh, as an Illinois fan, I want him to rebuild the defense. If I'm a Purdue fan, even though he seems like he would be a pretty good head coaching candidate, as did Jim Leonard, do you want a defensive coordinator as the Purdue head coach? <laughs> do you really? I don't want a defensive coordinator as the Purdue head do coach. I spend, you want sp- yeah, you want to spend a couple years... Shifting your roster around until you're also shaped like Iowa. Is that what you want? I mean... Or do you want to be fun? I'll tell you what. Be fun. Please be fun. Please be fun. I am no longer sold on this idea that Jim Leonard is the same thing as, like, GameStop in December 2020, where it's like, look, if you don't hire this guy, he's going (laughs) to win five national championships somewhere else. Like, I, I don't... Because I've seen this bandied about where it's just like, oh, no, but if Wisconsin's, you know, domino effect thing just got Jim Leonard to Purdue, then, oh, they probably lost that trade, actually. And it's like, really? They had Versus the Luke Fickle? No, no, probably absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, that could happen, but to think that it will, like, there's no reason to think that it will. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm, this is not to say that Jim Leonard has, you know, Jim Leonard has a, a, a pretty bright future in coaching, but there is, for some reason, this... You know, this idea that he was a hot coaching commodity kind of morphed into, well, he's going to for sure be a successful Power 5 head coach somewhere. I don't think you can actually say that. A lot of talented coordinators never end up making it as coaches elsewhere. I mean, look at just about anybody that's been hired away from Clemson since Stavell Swinney's been there. How have those guys been doing? How Tony Elliott doing do after leaving behind the endless stockpile of NFL quarterbacks and wide receivers to go to Virginia with merely a one-year supply of those guys. 
total disaster. And next year, they're probably going to be the worst team in the ACC with all those guys leaving. Brent Venables won six games at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Even with Riley plundering the roster on his way out, there was still enough there in a so-so Big 12. I mean, we had a couple good teams at the top. But aside from TCU and Texas, there was nobody in the Big 12 Oklahoma shouldn't have been able to hang with this year. I will say this for Lincoln Riley. Um, of course, the, you know, whether Caleb Williams... Uh, Certainly, probably could go process of elimination, a worthy Heisman winner. But the, the the reason people win the Heisman is because that's who the most writers want to write the story about them winning the Heisman. And Caleb Williams was, oh, he revived USC with this coach who revived USC. And writers love to write about a program that was good being good again, uh, right? So really, it's I think Lincoln Riley winning all those games at USC this year is not as big of an accomplishment. As Clay Helton losing as many games as he lost at USC for as long as he did, <laughs> like I really think that that is like I mean that that's that's <laughs> like that is riding a bull until it just stops and just just gets tired. It it should be idiot proof. It's <laughs> I've seen this phrase thrown about referring to Ryan Day a lot being born on third base. Being the coach of USC is like be and having the tenure that Clay Helton did is like being born on third base and getting picked off three times to end the inning. Like that's that's the amount of advantage. I saw that you this have. posted about Lincoln Riley though. <laughs> he was born on third base too, but he stole home. Well, yeah. So there you go. Make the most of the situation you're in. Um, all right. So we'll continue with a quick spin through the other conference championship game results. Again, a lot of this was over a week ago, so not exactly news. Yeah, we already mentioned Caleb Williams, of course, uh, now 0-2 against Utah. Got uh, absolutely up Absolutely blasted. Although, again, us. like, although we you know, we were discussing this, that there's so, so much of a tendency to discuss one quarterback beating another as though they, as though football is really just a game of American gladiators where they go out there in the field and, like, throw footballs at each other like they're playing dodgeball yeah, or Brock something. Brock Purdy absolutely dominated Tom Brady yesterday. I mean, Tom Brady had no answer for him. Yeah, and then, you know, other side of the ball, I just, like, Purdy absolutely shut Brady down when Brady had the ball. So, all of which is to say that, yeah, USC got absolutely run over by Utah, but this is the second year in a row now where Utah has... There's been, like, another team that everyone's like, that's the Pac-12's opportunity to go to the playoff. And then Utah just beats them with a, bun- with a bunch of hammers twice in the span of a couple weeks. I don't understand why, like, no, you know, I do understand why people keep continuing to disrespect Kyle Whittingham is because they want to see him continue to do this. Right? People just continue to refuse to take Kyle Whittingham Utah seriously. And... and I just don't know why. No, it's because it's not a brand. Like they're yeah. still, they're they're not a brand the way that Oregon or USC is. And that's they all have that, staying power. I mean, he's been good there for a long time. But that's all people want out of the Pac-12 is I just want I want what remember Matt Liner, remember Reggie Bush, remember Joey Harrington. Like that's all people want is to is for the teams they remember being good to be good again. Well, again. We are we are simple creatures in a complicated world. Our brains demand patterns. And so all we want is for the uniforms that used to be good to be good again. That's all I people want. I submit to you this. College football is good when Illinois and Kansas are good. Take 2007. I rest my case. <laughs> so uh, uh, TCU 
Did uh, well, you, you hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, the other Friday night conference championship ah. game result, our beloved Roadrunners complete one of the more dominant conference seasons in recent memory, um, meet, meeping all over North Texas, who then turned around and fired their coach for losing in a conference title game. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. I mean, I thought Seth Luttrell was going to be, you know, several Texas uh, Big 12 jobs opened over the last few years. I thought Seth Luttrell was yeah, a top candidate there. The, the shine definitely came off of him a little bit. And it's true that even in a relatively weak conference, he's pro- I probably would have expected a little more out of them the last couple of years. But again, it's not like North Texas is outspending the way that like Liberty does relative to the rest of the teams yeah. they play. Like there's again, like UTSA, for example, being in San Antonio is on a bigger talent vein. Like North Texas is in Denton, which is far out from Dallas. Like it's in in a much more crowded spot. So I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but North Texas has a legendary jazz program. <laughs> I know. It's one of those crazy things that football fans know them for two things. Didn't one, they shut the Didn't they shut it down? What? Or they might I heard something related. Are, are you about to tell me some like news on the order of like the ReliaQuest Bowl update that I got recently? I don't know if this is news. So, no, I, it's still, what am I thinking of then? Okay. I don't know. That is a good question. But in any case, in any case, yeah, Seth Luttrell not as, you know, didn't uh, strike while the iron was hot as far as getting one of those jobs was concerned. But, yeah. my God, I mean, and this is the Matt, Texas, this is This is the Matt Campbell phenomenon, right? Yeah. Is, does anybody mention him for the top jobs in the sport anymore? No. Because he, they, because he had one bad season, basically. Well, you know, the assumption is that when you have a, a coach that has a team on a good trajectory, that had they not been hired away, that trajectory would just continue. Yeah, right? no. I mean, most of the time, teams are buying high on a coach who has crested the, what will end up being the top of their wave at wherever they are. Like, you know, Matt Rule had that stretch where he went, you know, what, one win, like seven wins, and like ten wins. So it's like, well, had he not been hired away by Carolina, he would, he, have, won, he would have won, he would have won four 12. titles by now. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, uh, that, that's just the assumption. And it's just when somebody, you know, I mean, Matt Campbell, I think, genuinely wanted to stay at Iowa State <laughs> as opposed to holding out for something even bigger. What a weird decision. Um, right. Speaking of Iowa State and that Big 12 championship game, though, Kansas State prevailed over TCU in overtime, did not stop TCU from making the playoff, which was the correct decision. I really don't like that conference championship losers get penalized for going and playing an extra game after having a better regular season than other teams that did not make their conference title games, Ohio State. So, anyway, uh, USC should be in the playoff and Ohio State should not. I think they should set the field before the conference title games are played. Well, the reason that they don't do that is because of that 2003 instance with the BCS uh, be, uh, where Oklahoma was the wire-to-wire number one and then lost 35-7 to to Darren Sproles, Kansas State, and then went to the BCS title game anyway. Yeah. I mean, got, got spanked, but people were very mad about that. Understandably so. It, it's a there's, a... there's a concept in legal education that continues into the practice of law called bad facts make bad law, which is you shouldn't let one stupid result, especially in a sport with as few data points as college football, dictate how the system works forever. That's dumb. That's dumb and it's as also, hell. also, their two losses were to the same team, USC, right? Yeah. 
a good team. A really good team. team. What I wonder is, had it been a one-score loss, do you think USC is the four seed? I think it's very possible, yeah, because it's... That is a favorite brand, is it not? It's not like selling USC Georgia in a semifinal would have been especially difficult. Um, of course, you know now. Of course, that still that that pales in comparison to selling the possibility of the Ohio State Michigan rematch. That's not gonna fucking happen. <laughs> just, I, yes. You yes. know we're we're beating all the bush around here, but we may as well. I mean, do you want to just jump to the playoff discussion right now, or do we want to run through the rest of these results and then get to that? Yeah, I mean, you'll never guess what happened in the ACC title game or the SEC title game. You'll especially never guess because you don't care, and neither especially do we. Um, Only other thing in the conference title games that I wanted to make a note of was our mighty wave, Tulane, prevailing 45-28 over UCF, and Willie Fritz backed out of accepting the Georgia Tech job because they tried to make him leave without coaching out the season at Tulane. So he was like, Fuck you guys. I'm not going then. I'm staying with my team I mean, and finishing this incredible thing. season. What a beautiful thing. I, I, I just always said that like that that's how I would like to think that I would operate that like, hey look, I will yes, I will go and accept this job, but I get to announce it on my own terms. Nobody hears about it before my players, right? They're gonna hear it from me. Yeah. And there was a leak. Yeah. And so he said, Oh, Deals off. I can't trust you guys then. Screw yeah, you. Exactly. I'm out. Yeah. It's understandable and it's just just makes me like the guy even more. And so now of all the bulls on the slate, perhaps the one that I have the strongest desire for a result in this year is for them to beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Um, again, only thing that could have made me happier was I believe if LSU had won the SEC championship game, they would have gone to the Cotton Bowl. Um, Which would mean that you played for the Tiger Rag yes. in the bowl game. Yes. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, rivalry games being resurrected as bowl games, do you know which one was not resurrected? The Border War. Because, well, because in Missouri, Missouri would like you to think that it's because it would have conflicted with like their home conference opener in basketball or something like that. Which is a pretty lame excuse for a non-basketball school. So like, Ooh, <laughs> you can't, you, fighting words. You know uh, what? Am, oh, I'm sorry. Am I besmirching the mighty and respected name of Missouri basketball? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I made this note. Um, tell, me, this is, tell me the next important game they play this century. It'll be their first. I, I, I genuinely don't think Big Ten basketball fans have any concept of Missouri fans. If you think Illinois fans are just the fucking worst at this point, holy shit. Missouri fans have basically been in everybody, like in the mentions of everybody who is covering Illinois, like national writers who are covering Illinois, to scream about Missouri's eight and zero, nine and zero start. Even though they're not even like it's not even about Missouri, it's just because like, oh, why are you talking about Illinois and not Missouri? I don't know because this is a recap of an Illinois game. <laughs> no, and. To that effect. Absolute poverty Eli program. I had, I had no idea they were 8 or 9. They are undefeated? Oh, I had well, no they idea. were until Kansas laid the smackdown on them. Yeah. You may re- you may recall this from that game. Eli Drinkwitz, who again, <laughs> yeah. was in the news recently because his team ducked Kansas in a bowl game. Again, ducked Kansas football in a bowl game. Uh, was holding up a sign reading, Five, five level, level one, one violations. violations. And I'm not going to lie. In a vacuum, that's pretty fun. But my God... 
he is the perfect football coach for Mizzou basketball fans <laughs> because they will run their mouth until there's they will run their mouth like there's no tomorrow over literally nothing. By and, and again, it doesn't count when they aren't good. As, as soon as they aren't good, they don't show up. There's 11,000 Illini fans there for the Bragg and Rights game because that's half the capacity of the stadium. But then as soon as they win their first five, well, now all those times that they didn't show up don't count because, of course, they're not, they're, they're, they weren't good. Like, you know, that didn't really happen. It doesn't count. Those seasons don't count. Those were like the COVID year. Ooh, who does that remind me of? All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll go through these bowl matchups then. Cowardly shit by Missouri is my point. What a dumpster fire of a school, dumpster fire football program. I'm just sad that that clown Drinkwitz is not going to be around when we play them in a few years. I don't know, man. If he's showing up in smack talking Kansas basketball, that they might actually, be enough. That know, might get him the extension. Yeah, he yeah. Can go, he can go four Maybe. and eight there every year for the next decade, <laughs> playing in the SEC. So, uh, the Big Ten bowl games will go in simple chronological order. They had ten years of pinkle, and now they're going to stinkle. So, Big Ten bowl games. How long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> <laughs> Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State in the guaranteed rate bowl. A down arrow is the indeed correct logo for this one. Um, Wisconsin can no longer put five on it. Graham Mertz in the portal. Uh, what does that mean? Chase Wolf would be next man up? <laughs> Chase Wolf. I love names that are like like a command. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chase Wolf. You, Chase Wolf. <laughs> so, Oklahoma State is definitely deserving of that guaranteed rate logo because do you remember when they were an undefeated top, top 10, 10 team, team? And then they got beat 48 to nothing by Kansas State. And they have been reeling since then. Absolutely just, like, reeling. Took the soul out of them. Yeah. So, right. Wolf will be listed as a tentative starter. There have been a lot of really bad things that happened to Orange teams that started with a lot of promise. If anything, <laughs> like, if anything, Illinois held up pretty well to finish eight and four because Syracuse damn near completed a Ron Zook special. Well, the season changed, right? So there's no longer orange on the trees, uh, and so lacking the camouflage, all the orange teams were exposed much more visible. It, you, you get how that goes. Fair so. enough. But yeah, Oklahoma State just, after that, again, one of the most shocking results I can remember in recent memory, a, a top 10 team, that and it was the end of, it was the last week of October too. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't like, oh, this team is actually going to finish like three and nine, but they were ranked in the top 10 because they are Nebraska. No, it was, it, it was, they were, they were like, what, seven and they were like seven and one. They lost by three to TCU, and they lost forty. They, they lost three of their last four. They got blown out by Kansas the next week. They beat Iowa State. Then they lost to Oklahoma and West Virginia. Neither of which are very good. <laughs> and they finished seven and five. They finished with a four and five conference record. Yeah. So all right, to um, try to get the best picture that we can. Um, I don't think all of this is exactly confirmed yet, but a number of players. For Wisconsin, in addition to Mertz, declaring for the draft and presumably opting out of the bowl game, including Nick Herbig, um, who led the team in sacks this year, what, like three-year starter, I think. Um, Justin Clark, corner, is also going to pass. Um, trying to think who else here. I'm going to look for a more comprehensive list of opt-outs. We would probably want something up to the minute. Anyway, well, I mean... It's weird because players can play in the bowl game if they've entered the transfer portal, but many choose not to. Yeah. 
So Braylon Allen is in the transfer portal. Graham Mertz is in the transfer portal. Uh, <laughs> that's your starting quarterback and running back. Yeah, well, you're running back and by far your best player, so... Um, just skipping... Yeah, I don't see Meanwhile, that. the ghost of Spencer Sanders uh, is still going to take the field for Oklahoma State. My God, I just... Doesn't he have a chance to set their all-time touchdown record? Or am I making that up? That that sounds right because he's been the starter there for... He was the starter there as a true freshman. Okay, Joe Tipman, the center, is also declaring for the draft for Wisconsin. So, again, presumably that means these guys will not be playing. Um, I haven't seen an official announcement on that. I'm trying not to slow things down too much. Uh, but, again, as is typical for your non-playoff bowl games, several players are going to be out. And we'll see what they look like with uh, in, in the last game of interim coach Jim Leonard, I believe. Wisconsin's defense and Oklahoma State's offense are of a similar caliber. Same is true for Wisconsin's offense and Oklahoma State's <laughs> defense, which is to say... yeah. That, uh, I don't know, I guess it's, uh, this, is, this is probably likely to be a, you know, 50 to 60 point scorer. Altogether, yeah. Game of the 20s, makes sense, 27, 24, something like that. I mean, call it a coin flip, I don't know that I would necessarily have a prediction for the winner. Depends entirely on what Wisconsin can string together for starting offense. Well, you know, Steve, we're sitting here, you know, better part of an hour in here, and we spent a lot of time talking, you know, we talked about Michigan talked about Wisconsin. We spent a lot of time talking about Purdue. We haven't talked about the most important program in the Big Ten and what their postseason destination is, though. It's time for us to finally get along to the Minnesota Golden Gophers there, Steve. Playing Syracuse in Pinstripe Bowl. New York's the most important city in the world, so that's the most important bowl game on the slate. Very important that we talk now about the Gophers. Oh, yes. Minnesota uh, is going to play Syracuse, and you know, uh, Dino Babers uh, there was was uh, was in East Central Illinois for a bit, uh, and you may recall him for uh, beating Clemson the one time, and also beat almost beating Clemson the one time and the other time, and such other games. Uh, many similar instances of almost beating a team, or are not almost beating a team. And much like Minnesota, Syracuse was better than Purdue this year, and every other year. So the Pinstripe Bowl, once again, being held in Yankee Stadium. I've not seen anything indicating that they put in heating coils under the field. So once again, it's going to be a skating rink being outdoors in New York in late December. That tends to work in favor of a team with a stronger ground game. I guess the question here is, is Garrett Schrader going to be able to come back and play? I don't know the answer to that. Let's see if I can find out. Well, the real question is... um... The real question is Sean Tucker. The question is, to what extent will he be pleased <laughs> with a 34? <laughs> PL 34 SED. Will he, with his Magic Johnson-esque Twitter update a couple days after the game of yes. what happened? <laughs> yes, Sean Tucker, who wears number 34, routinely gives updates on whether or not he was hashtag pleased with the 34, with his performance and the team's performance. So, we'll see how hashtag pleasant, with a 34, things are for him. Uh, Minnesota, of course, boasts uh, what is statistically one of the better defenses in football, as we've uh, repeatedly been told to mention, but their offense is Big Ten West. It's Big Ten West. I mean, it's, it's a good running game, though, and again, this is a 
bowl that historically has favored the team that's able to better establish the run. Um, all I can find is, as of a few weeks ago, Garrett Schrader still didn't feel healthy, but that was when there were still games left, so it was in that context. I would think with the course of an additional full month, he would be able to play. I can't imagine he's going to be a serious candidate for the NFL draft. We'll see. We'll see, because when he got hurt, Syracuse's offense went from kind of wavering already to falling off considerably. Yeah, Syracuse, another team, another orange team that started with a lot of promise. I believe they started 6-0, lost a close one to Clemson, and finished 7-5. Uh, yeah. They again, damn near went six and zero, six and six, pulled off one against a terrible Boston College team at the end, and here they are. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think Minnesota is going to win this one going away. Um, yes, I, I would expect them to. I don't really know that there's a whole lot else to to say about it, um, other than that, you know, of course, I I think that Illinois might be getting new uniforms next year. So, uh, if you watch Minnesota versus Syracuse, it's going to look a lot like you know, Minnesota versus Illinois next year, because I assume the new uniforms that we get are going to be what Syracuse is wearing right now, because that's just what we do. Uh, yeah, it really, really sucks that the Big Ten has to be tied to the pinstripe bowl, because, you know, our fans are cold enough as it is up here. Um, you know, why, why don't you tie two teams, you know, two conferences to the pinstripe bowl who don't ever have to deal with northern winters, and who might want to, you know, experience it? And also, who might actually care about Yankee Stadium? Like you're 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 making you're making Minnesota fans who presumably also like the Twins go to Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I'm just like every Big Ten fan whose team was eligible to go to the Pinstripe Bowl. I am glad that the hand of fate did not pull my team into that shit show. And uh, well. I guess that's about all I can say. Yeah, continue vamping a minute here. I've found what I think is a reasonably comprehensive list, so I'm just... If you recall, Iowa had that slip-sliding-away game against, I believe, Steve Adazio Lawson College a few years ago, where uh, just (laughs) the whole thing was frozen. Okay, so here are some other game notes, then, for the Pinstripe Bowl. So, for Minnesota, um, again, remember, Tanner Morgan was out the last three games... It would, you know, given what he has meant to flex program there, you have to think if he's able to play, they will let him get out there one more time for the bowl game. Um, they've also had a couple of guys enter the portal, including Braylon Oliver, starting linebacker, guy who's been a starter for a couple of years. Is My goodness. Portaling out. Um, Michael Dixon, not quite as important, but a safety is uh, into the portal. On the Syracuse side of it, they've had a uh, departure from the coaching staff. Robert Anai, their offensive coordinator, um, is going over to NC State. Uh, but that, however, I remember, I do remember seeing this now. Um, Jason Beck, who's been their quarterbacks coach, has been a really well-regarded play caller and offensive developer. So he's going to be taking over there. Um, they've had a couple of guys portal out who seem to be fringe contributors. So it doesn't sound like they're going to be missing any major pieces there. And backtracking to Wisconsin for one moment, in addition to the players we mentioned, um, Keanu Benton also opting for the draft, which means he presumably will not be playing. And a very good, very underrated player at the nose tackle. Yeah, absolutely. The kind of player that... Oh, and Spencer Sanders is in the portal. In the portal? That's what it says. (laughs) Well, then. (laughs) That is a development. Either Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel will start for Oklahoma State. Also lost starting linebacker Mason Cobb. 
running back Dominic Richardson and Trace Ford and safety Thomas Harper. So their defense, which is already not very good this year, or was 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 still decent, has lost a bunch of pieces. Can you imagine loving the Second Amendment so much <laughs> that when your name is already your last name is sixty percent the word gun, you name your kid Gunner. <laughs> his name is Gunner Gundy. Your name is all like his name is more than half gun. I wonder if he has a younger son named like Gunmore or something like that. Wouldn't you think that <laughs> no, would be probably like Remington and Gun- like Colt and you know Mossberg and Gunner Gunnerer Gunnerist like you know anyway. <laughs> so Smith Gundy Wesson Gundy. <clears throat> so sorry to backtrack there, but again, outline this. High point Gundy. I outlined this that like a week and a half ago and just wanted to make sure I'm not missing anything. And we were missing stuff. Kind of important that Oklahoma State starting quarterback is in the portal. So. (laughs) All right. Next up in chronological order, um, Pinstripe Bowl is on the 29th for anyone who wasn't sure about that. The following day, December 30th, Maryland, NC State in the Mayo Bowl. Oh, yeah. A really, really unfortunate oversight to not draft Brett Bielema's team to play in the Mayo Bowl. Yeah. But certainly one that they were banking on locals for this one. Because you have Maryland versus NC State. Those are some fan bases that are going to be able to make that journey to Charlotte. Games in Charlotte, yep. And Maryland, once again, does not have to play their bowl opponents starting quarterback back-to-back. By the way, also playing former ACC opponents for second year in a row. Last year, Virginia Tech's entire quarterback room transferred, and Maryland won easily in the Pinstripe Bowl. This year, Devin Leary, also in the transfer yeah, portal. Devin Leary, who was a surefire NFL uh, NFL prospect and also was, like, at one point seen as, like, a Heisman frontrunner early in the year. Yeah, uh, that was early. in the transfer portal. Early. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a bunch of comments saying, boy, didn't Wisconsin have a bunch of success with a guy like that out of uh, NC State? To which I could not with this think, coach. <laughs> yeah, who is the coach then? <laughs> anyway, um, Illinois does have Donovan Leary's, uh, or not Devin, Donovan Leary, who is of course Devin Leary's younger brother. But of course, that's because they're from Jersey, and you know, any Jersey quarterback. Um, uh, give me one second here. In case NC State <laughs> had a bit of an odyssey this year, um, yeah, in that they. Um, they they flirted with the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. For a little bit, they might have been. It was one of those years where a lot of different teams were number eight. It felt like, and they just kept losing. Um, all right, okay. So, as far as NC State goes, again, Leary is yeah not playing. Um, not clear if even the backup MJ Morris is going to be able to play. They're also missing their starting center, and then in terms of carousel news. Jamie Chadwell leaving Coastal Carolina for Liberty means that offensive coordinator Tim Beck is leaving NC State to be the head coach at Coastal Carolina. So Tim they'll Beck, have... man. Yeah. Yeah. How do guys keep getting these jobs, man? I just don't get it. It, it really, you do just have to know people. So Kurt Roper will be it, the know, interim really offensive coordinator. Has, Tim Beck is like the latest iteration of, you know, that guy that always shows up and then you remember he's still coaching. Yeah. Bob Diaco is one of those guys. It, it makes me think of uh, Arrested Development. Her? Her? Him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's also, you, you keep seeing these guys in so many different jobs that you're thinking like, well, this guy's got to be like 75. Yeah. It feels like he's been 
Feels like he's had like fifteen different. He's uh, 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 Josh Johnsoning this this shit. Yeah. Josh Johnson, of course, joining his fourteenth NFL team, if not mistaken, recently. As to the Maryland side of things, Jacob Copeland and Dante Demas both passing in favor of the NFL draft. As is corner Deontay Ooh. Banks. Dante um, Demas, man. I I guess you gotta. He's been he around for quite a while. He he's he's older. Goddamn thing this year. I'm sure it was because of his injury last seemed, year. Yeah, seemed like he was still kind of missing a step. But um, I think they're going to have Rock Jarrett, though. Um, also losing linebacker Ahmad McCullough to the portal. So they're missing a few big pieces. Not as big as the starting quarterback, though. Maryland is definitely on the positive end of the missing pieces spectrum so far. Um, NC State always has a couple of, like, first, second-round talents, and then not much else supporting them. Yeah, it's... At various positions. Right. I mean, like, they had you know, Bradley Chubb a few years ago. If you go way back, like, 15 years, Mario Williams. That, they've, they've yeah, have plenty of guys. If there's some random defensive lineman at NC State, there's a non-zero chance he's going to turn to a first-rounder. So, anyway, time to get to the good shit. Viewer discretion is advised. The following may contain adult situations. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's Eve, Iowa, Kentucky. New Year's Eve. Music City Bowl. Music City Bowl. Iowa starting their third string quarterback. Kentucky starting their backup off of two offenses that were already terrible. Not to mention the rematch of a game that already happened in 2022. That happened this year. They played in a better bowl game this year. And the Music City chose to rematch them. And it was ultimately won by a big play from Wandale Robinson, who is now in the NFL. Yeah, he's gone. Um, I, let me see. Who were we missing from this game aside? From, from again, Will Levis and Spencer Petrus. And Alex and Padilla. <laughs> so um, let me scroll down here. Who so this else? will presumably be the only game of uh, the Joey Levis era? Presumably, because of course Cade McNamara is transferring in from Michigan and, and he... bringing a tight end with him. <laughs> presumably. Excuse me, he would not have done so if he wasn't going to be a starter. Actually, uh, that is a great play <laughs> by Eric All, who really yeah. doesn't... Oh, hell yeah. Well, because yeah. he doesn't project to be anywhere near the prospects of the guys that are currently on Iowa's roster. I mean, Lachey, right? Um, I don't know about that, man. Eric All was really damn good before he got hurt. Yeah, um, but as an NFL prospect, I don't, I don't even know about like, he's out. The thing, which means if he is, if there are multiple guys on Iowa's <coughs> tight end room that are better NFL prospects than him, he's going to get the lion's share of the targets. Right. Well, there's, I mean, Laporta's going to be gone, so there'll be one. Although, actually, I don't think that's even official yet. So what I'm looking at again, <laughs> Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, Gavin Williams are all on the portal. Um, as is Justin Jacobs. He, has, I think I saw it today he committed to Oregon. Good move on his part. Um, and on the Kentucky side, you 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 bring back. My point is, you bring back Laporta. No fan. T.J. Hawkinson. Bring them all together on the same team, and then add Eric All. Eric All is going to get like seventy percent of the targets because that's just <laughs> what Iowa does. Yeah. Um, oh, so Kentucky fired the offensive coordinator. Levis is opting out for the draft, and so is Chris Rodriguez, the running back. So there are only two offensive players with any skill at all. Um, the over-under in this game, I believe the first number I saw was 32, and it was supposedly being bet downward. Um, you said you saw a statistical breakdown indicating the over-under really should be about 25 points for this game. Okay, 
So I'm looking at SP Plus rankings. Now, we know that Iowa <coughs> has had the number one defense in that, and Bill, Con Bill Conley's model absolutely loves the Iowa defense. Almost as much as it hates their number 120 offense. Would you like to guess where Kentucky comes in in SP Plus defense ranking? Defense, probably top 20. Six. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> their offense comes in at 94. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, their defense is a lot better than you thought. <laughs> okay, so we mentioned this game's, this game's at the same time as the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Kansas State. If you're, if you're watching this game instead of the Sugar Bowl, you made a good choice and we applaud you. That's that's what we like from our yeah, listeners. That's the hustle we like Alabama to see. Alabama K-State is for casuals. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh yeah, that's, that's, I just, that's, you know, it's weird to me that Iowa fans were so averse to this game because, like, man, you've already been through this entire year. How are you still fighting this? Shouldn't you be the Wazoo fan pouring popcorn on yourself yeah, in a rainstorm like, at this point? Like, like ah. I don't understand how you're still fighting this <laughs> after the South Dakota State game. How are you still fighting this? Well, I would love to go to that game if I'm in this situation because you know... You're not gonna see a game more offensively challenged than this. No, you're in like you're in, you're like part of a modern art installation or something. Like, would you rather see like a pretty good but not great bowl game involving Iowa, or would you rather see a historic bowl game? You're gonna Iowa? be up there with the TCU Cal Cheese It Bowl. You walk amongst giants. Let's <laughs> you gotta embrace this moment. Look yeah. it in the eyes as you strangle the life from it. You, like. you don't have the opportunity. <laughs> To attend anything, you know, <coughs> like, unironically epic, yeah. right? So attend something legendary. So watch The Room of Bowl Games. <laughs> You're, this is the Tommy Wiseau Bowl. Tearing me apart, Larimus! <laughs> okay, I guess we'll talk... Fed up with this game! I guess we'll talk about the other games on New Year's Eve. The two playoff matchups. Michigan versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Michigan will be without Blake Corum, who is out for the season with a knee injury. Might be without Mike Morris, who has been their best defensive lineman this year. I'll tell you what, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. There's just no way. Um, I'm kidding. Of course they yeah, can run the ball. J.J. Right. McCarthy even said literally anybody could gain yards behind this line. And Donovan Edwards isn't literally anybody. He's every bit as talented as Corum is. A better receiver. Um, so... I'd expect this will be basically the kickoff of his Heisman campaign for next year, honestly. So TCU, um, of course, boasts a top 10 offense. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a Heisman finalist in Max Duggan. Uh, a really interesting reclamation project, if you will. Not reclamation, but like, he was at one point going to quit football because of a heart condition. Yeah. A few years ago. I, I My brother-in-law um, dropped him from our fantasy team. Whoops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you still have to co-manage? You're still sitting in the back seat? Yeah, I, I, I took a less active approach to that because then I was in like six different leagues this year and it's like, oh, I'm just not going to have time for that one. But in any case, uh, but Max Duggan uh, steals a lot of thunder from the running back whose name escapes me all the time. Uh, God, you, oh, no, you don't get that better. Kendry Miller. Yeah, Kendry Miller is uh, one of the most underrated backs in the nation, in my opinion. Um, you know, of course, the difference between him and in the context of the uh, 
of the Big 12, B. John Robinson, is that he doesn't have to do everything. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Quentin Johnson's going to be a first-round draft selection as well, a wide receiver. So they do. They have a cable offense, a variated offense. Um, Sonny Dykes running, again, an air raid, but with a very capable running quarterback and running back alongside it. So Kendrick Miller has 17 touchdowns, 1,340 yards, uh, just rushing. Um Six hundred sixteen receiving yards, but point is six point two yards per carry. Um, they have a balanced offense. They can absolutely, uh, you know, keep the defense honest. With, if you have with a stat line, for, so you you just listed off his stat line. Why don't you bring up Blake Corum's if people want a basis for comparison? He finished with like sixteen hundred something, if I remember right. Uh, no, fourteen sixty three. There you have it. <laughs> the guy had basically the, touchdowns. The guy had yeah. basically the same production Blake Corum did. In TCU's air raid offense. So that ought to give you and, uh, some context. Well, and again, because I know Michigan fans believe that the only number that matters is yards per carry. And that having a huge number of carries when you're the sole focus of the offense is not impressive. Um, Kendry Miller had 6.2 yards per carry. That is more than all of the Dope Walker finalists. There you go. So... Our point here overall is don't be surprised if this offense is able to give Michigan more of a fight than even Ohio State's did. Um, I because, think... because they are balanced. Yes. Ohio State, yes. and it doesn't make a lot of sense why Ohio State can't run the ball outside of just... The running backs were both hurt this year. That's something. But I think it's just kind of not a philosophical focus. Like, it's just not a thing that they want to do. It's that their coach doesn't want to run the ball. I think that's really what it comes to. And so when they needed to, they weren't able to. But anyway, um, I guess I would probably still favor Michigan to win this game, but I think it should be good. I think well, the worst close. unit on the field is the TCU defense, but that's not a bad unit. Yeah, uh, It is a top 40 unit uh, in the nation, and it's not like they played a lot of elite offenses. Right. Um, really, but... Uh, that, I think, is, is going to be the key, right? Because, uh, of course, the second weakest unit on the field is the Michigan offense, uh, which is not very explosive, unless it's against Ohio State. <laughs> it's, it's right. like, outside of that game, it really has not been a particularly explosive offense. And contrary to what you may be inclined to think if you're a Michigan fan, it's not like you turned to some secret page in the playbook and opened all the secret Ohio State stuff that you've been holding back with this you know, high school offense that you ran most of the year, that ain't what it was. It was Ohio just, State just stuff, over-pursued. Yeah, your stuff works. And again, yeah, you left plenty of cutbacks. Ohio State dialed up the NFL blitz, suicide blitz play all the time, <laughs> and it never got home. Yeah. In terms of Ohio State, their matchup with Georgia, um, look, this is your result for backing into a playoff spot that you didn't earn. Um, you get to play Super Michigan. <laughs> because that's really what Georgia is, is their... They're everything that Michigan is and intends to be, except a couple notches more talented. Well, you know, and their quarterback comes from humble beginnings. <laughs> sure. Um, and Stetson Bennett will probably go about 16 for 19 for 185 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Like, that's how this one will probably go. And be named the MVP. Um, in terms of. The, the thing yeah. is, with Ohio State, like, they were in this spot once before, weren't they? True enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess I don't know if, how you look, compare look, this, this Ohio if, State team to 
the one that got into the playoff without playing the title game for the conference. If Travion Henderson is healthy, he's every bit as talented as Zeke Henderson ever was. Or Zeke Elliott ever was, rather. And they're all the same. Uh, <laughs> but his health is uncertain, so is Mayan Williams. If Ohio, if Ohio State is one-dimensional against this Georgia defense, Stroud will be dead by halftime. Yeah. It, like, it, there's certain... It feels like Ohio State has to play a lot closer to the their upper limit than Georgia does to win this game. Um, because yes. the, the odds... In my opinion, the odds of getting 31 nothing again are higher than the odds that Ohio State wins. Much better than a win or a tight, or even a tight game. Um, I think a blowout in Georgia's favor is probably the most likely result. But that's really more about Georgia than it is about Ohio State. Because, again, they were head and shoulders above every other team in the Big Ten except one this year. I mean, Oregon, of course, you know, fumbled a bag, but was at one point a, a playoff contender uh, before, of course, doing that thing that Oregon just can't stop doing. And Georgia dismantled them. Uh, Georgia played a healthy hand and hooker and took Tennessee to the woodshed in ways that I, I think were shocking to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, so enough talk about the playoff. Um, we're getting now to kind of a heavy topic, honestly, one that we've not brought up just yet. We're sitting here recording the evening of the 12th. It's now been a little more than a, than 24 hours. Like, this news came out last night, if I remember correctly, that Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach had a massive heart attack with other related complications and health issues, hospitalized in critical condition. Everything that is coming out, which is not a whole lot and not from official sources, is that he's not going to make it. Uh, a true great in... The coaching world, his influence on the sport is really hard to overstate, especially yeah. in the college game. If you are to think about any of the offenses that you like watching, how about Sonny Dykes at TCU? How about Lincoln Riley at USC? The whole Big 12 in the 2000s. Yes, all all of the best passing offenses you can come up with from the last 15 to 20 years were either you guys who were directly coached by Mike Leach or who learned it from somebody who learned it from him. How about Patrick Mahomes in that Texas Tech offense? The, the, yeah. You know, yeah. the best, Cliff, Cliff the, the most fun 5-7 yeah. and seven team ever. Um, the the Lincoln-Riley-Oklahoma teams. Uh, well, I mean, shit, the late-stage Matt Brown teams that could, that could sling it. Yeah, really Matt well. Brown's offensive coordinator now is a Leach disciple. Yeah. Um, Course, you and, know. All, and also, one of the few genuinely interesting people yep. in a sport where most guys are determined not to do or say anything that will get them looked at. It's because there had, are a lot he, of people that Mike Leach rubs the wrong way. Yes, he had his bad moments, no question about that. Um, there are a lot of people that don't think that his style is really relevant anymore, his personal style. Um, and, you know, if we're going to take the most toxic version of Mike Leach, there is still no denying his influence on the game strategically, um, which was not only something that, because not every innovation makes the game fun. No. Uh, he opened up the <laughs> yeah. passing game to an extent, and it goes all the way back you know to what the, Tim Couch at Kentucky. You know what the other biggest innovation in major sports was in the last 10 years? The shift in baseball. Yeah. That's what you usually get when you get innovations is somebody you get, using, you get Nick Saban destroying the SEC yeah you get, uh, like you get early Nick Saban you get somebody using a computer oh, to find the most brutally efficient way to win it no that's not that's you never get the, been, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning 1-3-1 yeah 
That's never been what this has been about. So, uh, personally for me, when I found out we were playing Mississippi State, I was so excited because I have always been a huge Mike Leach fan, and I was going to get to see the dude in action. I I, I, I always made a point to watch their games whenever I could because, first off, you know, some sometimes they just get completely uh, waxed. But you know, whenever I played video games with football, um, Mike Leach's style was kind of always what I wanted to do. Which is why not just pass it all the time, <laughs> right? That's fun. And second, because there there, there was a decent chance that Mike Leach was going to do something kind of funny on the sideline. Do you remember that time at Washington State when uh, when one of his assistants was? Was 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 just holding up the go for two sign in front of him, and he just he just like combatively folded his arms and pretended not to see the guy. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna get to see this in person against my team in a in a January second Florida Bowl. I you know, I can't believe that twenty four hours later here we are. I mean, it, it's a it's a, a terrible loss. Um, you know, because even if he pulls through, I. I feel like he might not coach again. He was reportedly without oxygen for several minutes. Right. It, it seems like it would be a very difficult recovery, so I certainly don't expect to say, like, and, and I don't know what Mississippi State will do as a program. Um, obviously, it totally changes. It, it makes this game a lot less fun, uh, to be perfectly frank, and that's obviously far from the casualty that matters in this equation, but... Uh, from a from a game standpoint, uh, Mississippi State has had a lot of important players enter the transfer portal, including their leading receiver Rara Thomas. Um, not, no, he declared for the draft, right? Yeah, so did their best corner, Emmanuel Forbes. Yes, who I think either was a Thorpe finalist or was a semifinalist. Uh, semifinalist, at least. I don't remember for you. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about Illinois opt outs, uh, other than that Art Sitkowski is apparently done playing. And apparently is going to be a coach for Illinois next year, so that's interesting. I mean, sure, you know, you, you, you look at him, and uh, here's a guy who went through the absolute worst of quarterbacking in Power Five football. Yeah, and perhaps <laughs> he can use this pain <laughs> <laughs> to prevent somebody else from experiencing it. So I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, so uh, at, with at, this game at the moment, yes, it's scheduled to be Illinois and Mississippi State. It would not be surprising if Mississippi State ends up declining to play. Um, other alternatives would include perhaps Vanderbilt being a possible replacement. Um, but anyway, that I would... haven't looked too much into it because you know, again, this is very sudden. Yeah, this has happened very quickly, and yeah. it's just God. It's hard to process the amount of this guy's rants I have memorized. Whether they just be offhand, like you know, because because ultimately one of the reasons that Mike Leach did his media rants is because he didn't really feel like getting into the X's and O's of football that much with, with, with people in a situation where he was coaching. Yeah. But 99% of coaches will either be a douche or just run Cincinnati. He decided to instead just say something off the cuff that was always interesting. He was always, he was always good to riff, right? Because, you know, if you don't want to say anything... There's no reason that you have to be a douche to the media, Lovey Smith. Well, he's far, Lovey's far from the only one, but yes. <sighs> so, yeah, this 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 was. I, I am going. Well, I I have my travel book to this game. I've never been to an Illinois bowl game before, and God, I was going to get to see my favorite coach that doesn't coach for Illinois. 
play, you know, on the sidelines. I mean, I was probably going to spend, like, a good third of the game just, you know, watching this dude. Yelling at my, my leech. <laughs> I, no, I would never. Steve. Steve. I know you. And I know what you do live at games. You're I'm telling far me. far away. With your... Steve, how many people... How many people dude, there's these cowbells all around me, my dude. Mm, all right. Yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't have come through on the broadcast at any point. Anyway, other January 2nd I games. I the shit out of you! <laughs> <laughs> Purdue, LSU, in the Citrus Bowl. As we mentioned earlier, um, a few interesting personnel notes for this one. So, remember early on, there was all the drama with Kayshawn Boutte. Not only is he playing in this bowl game, he's coming back, passing on the NFL draft. Uh, so LSU will have their top receiving option. Not clear if Jaden Daniels is going to be able to play. He was injured against Texas A&M. Uh, and they're also going to be without edge rusher B.J. Ojolari, who is heading off to the draft. On the Purdue side, um, minor problem. Uh, Jeff Brom is leaving, uh, not going to be coaching this game. Same, really? Same thing with defensive coordinator Ron English. Not going to coach in this game either. Well, um, why exactly? I mean, is it just you got to get recruiting? That's probably the big part of it, yeah. Um, signing day's barely a week away now. My respect for Willie Fritz is just boundless. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, what that means is interim head coach Brian Brom. <laughs> Brian Brom is 1-0. and <laughs> Um they do have a couple of major pieces, though. Um, Spencer Holstegan, the left guard, entering the portal, starting left guard. Um, wow. And Corey Trice is not going to play in this game. He is heading to the draft, or top corner. So a couple of important starting pieces. Um, well, look, Brian Brom once sat behind Brett Favre in Green Bay, so he knows how to steal from people in the South. <laughs> in other words, I expect a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Um, I really have no earthly idea what to expect from this game. I mean, Pretty I expect LSU to win by sheer talent advantage. It is a, it's decisive, but there's occasionally... And, well, not just sheer talent advantage. Also, Purdue doesn't have Jeff Brom. That's true. Like that... I, I, I go back to what I said about what he managed to accomplish. In particular, like... I remain astonished at what he was able to do for his team in the game against Illinois, which was, again, a road game against a, a, a team that, uh, by all means, seemed a lot better after they'd been vaporized in back-to-back weeks by yeah. similar teams. Yep. That remains, trying to remove myself as an Illinois fan from this, if, if that's objectively a really impressive thing to do because you know because the emotions are such a, such a big factor in college football and they came in from the opening snap determined to impose their will in that game and it was incredible to see that from a team that again got wiped off the face of the earth by similar teams in previous weeks yeah and you know by contrast Brian Kelly who it's certainly not one of our favorite this people in the world bitch. but also a very good coach and has Typically, early in his tenure at places, been able to get buy-in from play. I mean, like again, this thing with Boutte is incredible. Like the it was first an absolute outlier, really. Yeah, the first month of the season looked like he was never going to play another snap for them. Um, looked like it was he was going to try to dynamite the locker room around him, but that didn't happen. And now, not only 
is locker room fine, but he's back and again. Well, I'll tell talent, you what. So. Maybe he just decided he wanted to be part of the family. The family, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's unfortunate. Purdue's probably going to take one of the teeth here. Kind of reminds you a, a little bit of that bowl game with Auburn a few yep. years ago. Um, they don't quite have the overwhelming talent on the defensive line, though. Yeah, that's true. And, and the, yeah, the fact that Ojolari is sitting out is a big. It's that's big. Like that he's not playing is going to be. Very beneficial for Purdue's pass protection. One less thing to worry about. Uh, okay. Anyway, the big winners of this year, no, it's not Michigan or Ohio State. It's Penn State because they secured their spot in the last Rose Bowl ever. Yeah. Uh, until it becomes uh, another meaningless cog in the So, yes, the last Rose playoff. Bowl ever. The yeah. last true Rose Bowl. Pretty much. Although, again... You can still say the last true Rose Bowl was the one Michigan State played in. That's how I'm going to choose to think about it. But anyway, they get to play Utah. Um, Parker Washington is heading for the draft. He's not going to play. Um, same thing with Joey Porter Jr. Olufushanu is actually going to return next year, but he's been out with an injury for a while now, so not clear if they're going to bring him back for this game. But getting their stud left tackle back would obviously be a big deal. Utah um, has been without Tavion Thomas for a while, and they're also going to be without Dalton Kincaid, who might actually be the best tight end in the country. I know they gave the award to Bowers, but if you watch Utah play, this guy is really important to what they do offensively. And Tavion Thomas is a guy I scouted as a recruit for that Dynasty League, and uh, he went to Cincinnati originally, failed out of there, and uh, resurfaced. Man, it's crazy because some of those guys just never resurface. Yeah, a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. So, that's it for the Big Ten slate of bowl games. It's a tough one, honestly. Um, I gotta say, like, we already said this, but it is long past time to put some respect on Utah's name. Because they've been consistent, they have staying power, they've been a consistent giant slayer, but not in the way that Purdue has, right? Where, like, then they lose a bunch of games that they you know, really kind of have no business losing and never really elevate that. I mean, Utah, you expect to be ranked at the end of the season all the time. They're, they're playing in their second straight Rose Bowl. Uh, they've got a Lamar Jackson stunt double starting for the Ravens. How about that? I mean, <laughs> they put good players in the league. Yeah. They, you know, to my point about Tavian Thomas, they do have a tendency to get more out of their players than, you know, to absolutely get the most out of the players that they have. Uh, remember Zach Moss, was not a, a, you know, was not a superstar recruit. No. Um, I mean, I, I just, I just continue to be so impressed with what Utah has. I mean, Utah has been the single most successful. Um, well, no, no, until TCU actually. Yeah. T- TCU this year, you could say that Utah had been the single most successful jump up from a, 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 a group of five, but TCU's, uh, I think, taking the title this year. Yeah, so to wrap up our bowl season preview here, I spotlighted a few other games that I thought would be of some interest. First, right at the beginning of bowl season, on the 17th, the Fenway Bowl, (laughs) Cincinnati versus Louisville. So one thing, of course, is that these used to be conference rivals in the Big East played for the Keg of Nails, a fantastic trophy game 
which I don't think is usually when teams play in a bowl game like this, they don't put the trophy on the line, which is a shame and a yeah, mistake, that's I think. bullshit. Fuck that's... the it's You know what it is? It's because the bowl organizers don't want the teams ignoring their shitty corporate-produced trophy in favor of sprinting to the sideline for the trophy they actually want. So anyway, that's part of this. But of course, as you mentioned earlier, Cincinnati just took Louisville's head coach, and Louisville has kind of been trying to get rid of him. So what is the vibe in this game? It's going to be very weird. And because it's in a baseball game, they're on the same sideline, both of these teams. <laughs> so Scott Satterfield should be made to attend this game and sit on the sideline. They, they should make him sit at the 50. Yeah. <laughs> make him sit between the teams. In, in a lifeguard chair. <laughs> <laughs> Just put him in a goddamn lifeguard put, chair. No, put him in the Booger McFarlane chair. <laughs> <laughs> make him do commentary on the game. <laughs> yeah. Scott Satterfield should be made to attend this game. Anyway. So basically, it'll be a surprise if there isn't a big fight on the sideline in that game. Um, other bowls of interest, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, December 19th. Not because it's going to be interesting, but it is Marshall versus UConn. UConn in a bowl in year one. <laughs> Hell yeah, Jim Mora. After, I mean, again, like, we talked about Hazel at Purdue. We've talked about Jim Mora's season at UConn a lot this season because... It's been incredible that he wasn't a finalist for the Heisman. is an absolute crime. Uh, or the Heisman. The Coach of the Year Award. The Coaching Heisman. Whatever you want to call it. The I'm coach. tired, man. I ain't slept. Hey, you know, this is a rematch of UConn's last of bowl Of UConn's game. last bowl, after which they fell into the shadow dimension and won like six games, won like ten games in six years since they last appeared in, the, in a game. Bob Diaco. Yeah, somehow dragged them to a bowl against this same Marshall team. While inventing the Civil Conflicts Trophy. Oh my god, what an era. The 2015 UConn Huskies were truly one of the most charmed teams that uh, ever took the field. Well, we are absolutely case. not deep diving on 2015 UConn football. Also of some interest to us, of course, is the Quick Lane Bowl here in Detroit. <laughs> As per usual, the day after Christmas to make sure nobody goes Uh and no, not just the day after Christmas. Noon Eastern, the day after Christmas. I think it's a one o'clock kickoff this year. The thing is, I have to head back from the Chicago suburbs the day after Christmas. But I'm not gonna come back to make like if it were at you're not gonna were, get you're not gonna get up at five to make it back. To if this it game. were at four o'clock, I would actually probably <laughs> go, right. Same. I have, I have to take a six off this year. I would probably yeah. go. Yeah, but I mean. I went to this game last year, and it was only because I had nothing to do. I was home, and then your friend had some tickets. <laughs> yeah. I called you like ten fifteen or so, like forty five minutes before kickoff. Like, hey, my buddy's got an extra ticket. You should probably meet him down there. And you were like, well, I was getting out of bed. I'm like, it's like a twenty minute drive, dude. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go. It and was, then you yeah, t- it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they, the day after. I mean, that's why I missed one of the, uh, you know, one of the two chances I had since graduating that Illinois played in the bowl is because it was noon the day after Christmas. Um, yeah. But uh, an, another very unlikely participant here: Jerry kills New Mexico State Aggies, and probably making a bowl despite spending most of the season as one of the ten worst teams in all of FBS. So. Good for them. It, it, again, and also spending some time putting the fear of God into Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M Aggies. Aggie on Aggie crime, man. That's all it was. Um, 
Two other games that I highlight because I think will actually be interesting games, not because of a sicko angle like the ones I've pursued so far. The Holiday Bowl, Oregon versus North Carolina, two high-powered offenses, Drake May and Bo Nix. Like, there's going to be some offense in this one. UNC in particular plays no defense at all. Oregon is definitely offensively oriented. Their defense is a little bit better than UNC's, but still, probably going to be a high score and shootout on paper. And also, we mentioned earlier, the Cotton Bowl. Let's see if Tulane can finish off what's been an absolutely incredible season and turn Willie Fritz into you know, pretty close to the top of our list of dudes we respect. Man, you know, in theory, USC's got the talent to absolutely run them out of the building. And this is this kind of situation where, again, you put Willie Fritz's bag against the wall and he's got to reach deep into the bag. I... Man, when does this game start? And I want. I'm gonna be on plane if it's late enough. God damn it! I'm coming back the day of. Oh my god. Um. So this game is on the second. Kick off is Cotton Bowl 1 p.m. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll have a game. Maybe I won't. That's at like this. That's at like the same time as your bowl. Like. Yeah. Well, depending on if it happens, we'll see. Well, I think maybe they'll have it on another screen in there. Like I said, they should have done. They probably. I I doubt it. At the venue, I doubt it. And you know, you say whether your bowl like they're not going to cancel your bowl if Mississippi State decides not to play. They'll find someone else. Yeah. Illinois will still be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa at noon on the second. For sure. So it's just. I'm sorry to say, I don't think there's going to be a way for you to catch this cotton. Yeah. Damn. Put no, it on no, the DVR, man. You want something to watch when you get back? No, with data. With data. <laughs> so anyway, that brings us to the end of our bowl preview. Once these games are over, we will conclude our coverage of this 2022 football season with our bowl recap. We have not been doing any basketball content yet because I just don't have the bandwidth to cover another time sport. There are so many basketball games. And also... Our fellow writers on Off Tackle Empire have been putting out a good deal more basketball coverage in the article form than has historically been the case, so I feel less of an obligation to carry the torch. But we'll try to do some basketball stuff as well, again, now that I'm not completely unintelligible with my voice. I think it's more doable. And to be sure, my attention is pivoting more fully to basketball as Boy, things continue some... to go off the rail for Michigan State football. Boy, I'd love was... to talk about anything else. There was some... Uh... Fucked up basketball coach news, too, involving dudes that played Illinois. Yeah, a couple of hours ago, the news broke that Chris Beard was arrested. They have a For basketball felony game. domestic violence. And they have a basketball game tonight. That's probably tipped off by now. I guess Rice. That eh, shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> anyway, we thank you, as always, for listening to Off Toggle Empire. Enjoy your bowl season and your holidays, and we'll see you on the other side of the calendar flip. Source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!